along to the Property Academy Podcast. I'm your host, Emmett Knight. And today on the show, we are talking about some outrageous demands, which I saw in the papers. <laughs> That's ridiculous. I read this article the other day as well. These guys are off their head. Let's go through the arguments and see what we think. So just for context, what happened was there has been a tenancy group which has posted 10 demands in the media or come out and said we've got these 10 demands and they've got a bit of media attention. So we are going to go through one by one each demand and we're going to talk about whether we agree with it or not. Spoiler alert, we don't. But also the reasons why. So I actually got a text from producer David who sent me this article and the headline read, AM Hosts, which is a TV show, slam renters group's list of demands including drastic rent reductions and winter eviction ban. And he texts me saying, you need to tear apart their list of demands on a podcast. So... You ask, we'll answer. What we're going to do is we're going to go through this list of 10 demands from this renter group. We're going to tear them apart and we're going to challenge ourselves to keep it to one minute per demand. And look, the reason why we're going to be a bit more forthright, I suppose, in this episode is that I am genuinely sick of landlords being labelled as the bad ones. And I think that groups like this, these kind of renter advocacy groups, do us a real disservice. It annoys me. So here we go, you get a podcast. But just paint us a picture of what were these guys kind of asking for and and what was the story around here, Andrew, for anybody who hasn't read the article. Okay, so they're called Tenants Action Wellington and they're processed outside the Quinovic office right in the heart of Wellington and they said that landlords and property managers are harming tenants and they're especially focusing on rundown houses which have mould and moisture problems, i.e. most of the student accommodation in Wellington. And look, it's really interesting because in our December webinar, we said that two things would happen. April would see record high rents, which happened, and October would see tenants group demanding more regulation. And look, it's happened a little earlier than we expected, but here it is. And actually, didn't they have some jingle that I heard you singing to yourself in the bathroom just then? Actually, I thought it was quite clever, Andrew. <laughs> Their main protest chant was, your mouldy properties make us sick. Eat, shot, Quinovic. Which yeah. I thought was quite clever. Now, obviously, there was a swear word in there, but the kids listen to the show, so we won't say it. Right, so we're going to challenge ourselves a minute per argument. I'm going to go first. Minute. Ding, ding, ding. So number one was all rent prices be permanently lowered to 25% of the lowest benefit. Now, effectively, this is introducing a maximum price for properties in New Zealand. Now, this ultimately means four things. First of all, if you say you can't rent your property above a certain price, you're going to have less choice and lower supply. And it's because only the most basic of properties could be rented at that price point. So bigger properties like five bedroom houses, uneconomic to keep. So Larger families would have nowhere to go. Those properties would be sold. The second thing is that the ability to get a rental would be severely limited because there'd be a huge demand of people who want to rent at that price, but it would be very difficult to find a rental because you can't get one. The supply would be so limited. Beyond that as well, you'd see a lot of properties be very poorly maintained, and I've got five seconds left. And the reason is because why would you ever maintain a property that you can't get an economic return from? And that's my minute up. Andrew, what was the second thing that they were asking for, and what's your argument? You've got a minute starting now. Okay, landlords must provide evidence that they're addressing repairs, including accessibility issues, within one week of being notified by tenants. Now, there are four things here. Not the worst idea on the list, because maintenance is the landlord's responsibility, and tenants can frustrated when maintenance repairs aren't looked at quickly. But accessibility issues are not the landlord's problem. So a building needing a ramp for someone in a wheelchair, someone in a wheelchair does need to be able to get into their house. But it's not the landlord's responsibility to take the cost on 
this themselves because where you force those kind of costs onto a landlord, you see greater discrimination occur. So people are not going to necessarily, or they're going to think twice about renting to someone that is needing an accessible house. And then it makes it harder for those people that are going to be affected to find a house. Similarly, not every repair has to be dealt with right away. And not every repair request is genuinely maintenance and should be granted. So go back and listen to episode 1010 and hear how we tell you to politely say no to tenants' requests. Let's jump into number three. You were slightly over your minute, Andrew, but I'll let you have it. Number three is that tenants in substandard housing must be appropriately relocated at the landlord's expense during major repairs or renovations. Now, here's the thing. Tenants in substandard housing will generally find they're not able to afford to move back into the same property after major renovations have been completed. The reason behind this, clearly, is that if a landlord's going to spend 50 grand or 20 grand doing up a house, they want to earn an economic return from that. So there's usually no point in rehousing somebody temporarily when they really could go and find more permanent housing. But here's the real issue. The major gripe from this group is that substandard housing and mouldy housing, bad homes, they are causing tenants to get sick. But then they want to make it harder and more costly for landlords to improve those properties. So the major issue here is you want to pile more costs onto landlords, which is going to make it harder for them to renovate properties. Actually, if you really care about tenants living in safe, warm, dry homes, you want to make it easier and less costly and face less red tape in order to renovate. Let's wind it up. What's number four, Andrew? Number four is maximum tenancy length is five years. Tenants can exit at will. Now, the trouble with policies like this that try and help the vulnerable people is that they sometimes harm the people that they're intended to help. So if you say to a landlord, you've got to give someone a house for five years, what do they do? Well, they only pick the best, the creme de la creme of tenant. They're not going to be willing to take a chance on someone who might be in a tougher spot or they think just maybe is going to leave sometime sooner. So those tenants are going to be the ones that break the tenancy and struggle to find somewhere in the first place. So they're not going to get a chance. The other thing is it will decrease the supply of rentals because as you bring all these anti-landlord policies into place, fewer people become landlords or people start dumping their stock and it restricts the rental accommodation that's available and then pushes the price up. Okay, and number five is they want a permanent end to evictions during cold weather months, so May to September, any holidays or emergencies such as natural disasters and pandemics. And we're really talking about evictions not being able to happen for basically half of the year. Now look, here's the truth. Here in New Zealand, the weather is not so prohibitively bad that people can't move during winter months. Well, well to the, be fair, Wellington's got about one sunny day every year, so I can under, like, you'd be sat there forever. Yeah, so I really don't see this as, as a genuine issue like it might be in some other countries where that would be the place. But the thing is, there are really only a couple of ways that people can even get evicted in New Zealand. A landlord needing the property for themselves, whether they're renovating it, the landlord's selling the property, or if the tenant's done something wrong, you know, not paying rent, for instance. So allowing somebody to stay in a place where they haven't paid rent and say you can't evict them until the weather improves, just doesn't make sense. And I do think if you concentrate people to only being able to move during the summer months, you're going to have a real concentration of demand and supply in one area. And I think that would make finding a rental during summer that much harder because you've got so many people looking at one time. That's my minute up. Andrew, what is number six. As I'm reading these, I'm getting more infuriated. These guys actually did a heavy, like they, these are ridiculous. Well, I do think that 
you know, as I was typing my show notes on a, on Saturday night, getting riled up, I did actually think, I think these guys might actually be having a laugh. And what I mean by that is I think they've potentially put out a list of 10 demands that are so outrageous that they knew they were just baiting us into talking about it. You know, I think maybe they've baited the media into actually reporting on this to get some attention on their cause. And, maybe. And here I am, the idiot who's bought into it, and I've been baited. Well, here we go. What got time on Saturday night? Because you were out with me on Saturday night. Oh, it would have been 6pm. Okay, I, I wasn't sure if you got home half and and typed this all up half because it looks pretty good. It's one of your better <laughs> Okay, let's get into number six, Andrew. You bet it starts now. Abolish bonds and all substitutes. Hand back all bonds from landlords to a tenant regardless of the contract and costs of repairing any damage will be covered by the existing rent payments. Ridiculous. This policy represents the transfer of risk from tenants to landlords. So tenants and everyone need to understand that risk isn't free. That's why you've got a thing called insurance. And you can't transfer the risk to landlords and just think they're going to suck it up because their behaviour will change. First thing, rents will go up to compensate for the increased risk. And two, if you combine a transfer of the risk with policy one, the landlords can't rise the rents to a certain level. So you have a decrease in supply and fewer properties again offered to the market. And the properties will just fall into a state of disrepair because they're not going to be able to maintain the the low rents that they're receiving. But bonds are also important because A, it gives landlords comfort that if their tenants risk damaging the property, then they can reclaim that from the bond. But it also encourages tenants to take care of the property and behave like normal people so that they're going to get their bond back. And just so that we're very clear, by the way, we're not suggesting most tenants don't act like normal people, but we're just saying that policies like this are are quite ridiculous. Number seven is pets are allowed in all flats, including dogs. Now, I actually don't think this is the worst policy, so long as landlords are still able to take bonds and can set an appropriate rent to compensate for that risk. But there should be some limits to this. I'll give you an example. Should the tenant have the right to have a pit bull or any large dog in a 25 square metre studio apartment. Now, I would say no, because we're talking about having the right to do something here. Should the tenant have the right to have three Great Dane dogs, massive dogs, in a townhouse? Probably not, is what I'd argue. (laughs) So the issue with a blanket policy where you say tenants have the right to be able to do something is it means that individuals aren't able to negotiate. Now, I think a better policy in here is not to have a blanket policy that says anything is permissible, but it should be more that tenants and landlords are able to negotiate and say what is appropriate and allow individuals to be able to decide you know, what it should be. So I wouldn't suggest the solution is to say, well, if it's more than 30 square metres, you could have a pet of a certain size, and if yeah. it's over 60 square metres, no. Just allow tenants and, and landlords to be able to negotiate and set an appropriate level of, of rent and bond in order to be able to compensate for the risk. What's number eight, Andrew? Number eight is no entering the property uninvited at all. Flat and Inspections are abolished. Can you imagine getting the property back from some students after five years of them living there with no inspections? Landlords shouldn't be allowed to enter a property illegally anyway. In fact, I'm sure most of them don't just turn up. They have to have the scheduled inspections. But to say a landlord can never go into their property, let's not forget, shows how little renters understand about the business of running or, a rental or property. these these renters these groups. Renters, these rentals groups. Sorry, sorry. yeah, I don't want to target renters. What happens if there's no property inspections? Well, yes, there's increased risk to landlords because they don't know if the property's being looked after, particularly if it's a, a long lease. But secondly, and most importantly, 
you got no insurance as the landlord. So your insurance policy requires an inspection. So this transfers even more risk to the landlord and they won't be able to get a mortgage. So they're not going to be able to do it anyway. So again, this is going to result in higher rental prices, lower supply of rental properties. And, and that's really what we meant when we said it shows how little this specific renters group understands about the business of owning a rental property because if you don't have flat inspections, you have no insurance, you've got no lending. And that's why they're necessary. There's a new group set up by a bunch of students. Is that right? I'm not sure how new it is, but I certainly think it shows they don't understand the other side. For for all the the kindness that the Gen Zs talk about. Oh, I shouldn't say this about Gen Zs. No, go for it. Go on. They're not listening. (laughs) But no, Andrew, seriously, this is the issue with these Gen Zs, is for all the talk about kindness and understanding, they've got no understanding about what it's like to be a landlord. Well, we can't say that, David. They've got no understanding. No, they don't. Oh, it's a hard life being a landlord. Oh, honestly. (laughs) Number nine, landlords, I hate this one, cannot ask prospective tenants (laughs) for credit checks, employment history, or any other reference. I think we're actually playing silly buggers now, aren't we? We really are. Because you want me to rent a property to you for a minimum of five years at a low rent, take on all the risk with no bond, no inspections, no protections, and I can't even check whether you've got the money to afford the property, whether you've met your obligations to other landlords, or to see whether this property is even affordable to you. This is like landlords standing outside ASB saying, lend us the money for a house, but don't check whether we can afford it. (laughs) Like, seriously. Apart from the obvious arguments around the supply impacts, I actually think it is morally reprehensible to suggest that a landlord cannot protect their interests or to suggest that a credit check or an employment check to make sure that a tenant is being truthful in their application, to suggest that that is unnecessary or to suggest that is going beyond a normal bound of what might be acceptable. And I actually wonder, you know, as I said, I do think they've put together this erroneous list of demands just to get attention for their cause, which in this case has actually worked. What's number 10, Andrew, the final one? Oh, the final one. I can't believe we're here. Landlords must provide 365 days notice before selling or reoccupying the house. Now, listen, it does not take 12 months for a tenant to find a new property. In fact, Ed just moved to Christchurch and found a property and moved in within two weeks, and that's with everything else he's doing, because he only looked at it two days before. In fact, you did only look at it about two days before, right? I walked in and then said, yeah, okay, I'll have this when's it available. <laughs> but I tell you what, I mean, really, had they checked my background check, they wouldn't have done it, would they? Yeah, no, they, they would have asked for a bigger bond that they couldn't collect. <laughs> look... My argument against this one is just that it's grossly unfair. Like, imagine a landlord selling because they can't afford the higher interest costs, or imagine if, if they're going through a real financially challenging situation and they need to get the money back. Well, or getting divorced or something right. like that. Or now all of a sudden they've got to go mortgagee sale because of some stupid role. Yeah, and they've got to wait 12 months or something. And look, I know we've been quite forthright. They've riled us up. They have. They have. But this is not to say that all renters' advocacy groups are bad. No, no, no. No, no. no we're talking about a specific one in Wellington that's put out a list of demands. And while we wouldn't usually record an episode like this where we just get angry um, <laughs> and, we, and we turn into the grumpy old men that we actually are, a couple of people sent this to me and said, you've got to do a podcast on it, refuting these. And I just want to stick up for landlords and say, hey, look, what are we doing? We're trying to buy some houses and sort ourselves out financially, absolutely. But also in the process of doing that, we want to provide safe, warm, dry rental accommodation 
for tenants. That's why we talk about either buying new builds or renovating properties to bring them back up to standard. Like we're all about trying to provide good homes. And while there are going to be some scumbag landlords out there who don't take those responsibilities seriously. Jolene, you're listening. I do think that groups like this do a disservice both to themselves and to us by talking in these terms. Hey, look, we're going to wrap it up there, but please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Really does help us get the message out to more people. And hey, if you want to learn more about property with Andrew and I, why not subscribe to our YouTube channel as well? Just Google YouTube Opus Partners. We release two new videos every single week, and uh, we think they're pretty good. Listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Emma Knight. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics, and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time.